Well, welcome everybody to the August edition of the Youth Pastors Roundtable podcast. We are so excited that you have taken the time to listen. Uh, Our hope, our desire is that over the next few minutes that you would just kind of feel relaxed, uh, pull up a chair or maybe you're driving in your car or in your office and just kind of get out some notes and just get ready to to learn and grow. Uh, We've got a great speaker for you today. Uh, He has been doing all kinds of great stuff for churches and our nation, our country. So we're really excited about getting to him. And before we do, I want to give you a couple updates. Uh, We have Victory School of Leadership is is on is going we are up and running we've got a great group of students but we are uh, booking our travel trips for this year so if you are in the oklahoma area or within a few hours of oklahoma city we'd love to come out and lead worship speak or maybe just even give a, a few minute announcement about our program and see if we might be able to serve your graduating students with helping them with ministry training and their college careers. So you can get all the information at joinvsl.com. That's joinvsl.com. Also, if you've got juniors or seniors that might be interested and they'd like to come out for a preview day, we do have one coming up in November, and we'd love to get them signed up and uh, ready to come out. Also, one thing that I've learned over the past 17 years of doing youth ministry and working in churches is that it's vitally important that you have the right fit with where you're at and where you're working. And the team at Slingshot is helping churches and pastors find that right fit. If you and your church are interested in getting some staffing help or some coaching, give the guys over at Slingshot a call and see if they might be able to help you out. Uh, I also want to remind you guys that we do have a discount for the OK City Center. If you're interested in a missions trip, bringing out some students maybe uh, for spring break, something like that, they're offering a 20% discount on missions trips if you use the promo code YPRT. Uh, And you can check out their information at okcity.center. That's okcity.center. And check it out. See if uh, you might be able to bring out a group uh, for a missions trip. It would be a great opportunity for you to come and serve uh, the city and to get involved, and they've got housing, they've got food, they've got all the the stuff taken care of for you, and so 20% discount is pretty good. Well, hey, let's get into our speaker today. Uh, Man, I'm really excited about uh, our speaker today, Um, and so is Abe Abe Matos, and uh, he is the global student pastor at Church by the Glades in South Florida. Abe served the U.S. Army for five years before discovering his passion for working with middle school and high school students. Uh, He has been in student ministries for over six years and has had the opportunity to build strong relationships between public schools and his student ministries, first in Houston and now in South Florida. Uh, He does does enjoy the Miami Heat, everybody, all right? And you know he's loyal because he's a fan of the Miami Dolphins, okay? So you know he's loyal, all right? Also, he's a good friend and worked with uh, former podcast speaker uh, Landon Pickering. So, uh, you know, we're in for a treat when uh, Landon Pickering gives us a suggestion for this guy. So, he comes uh, highly talked about. So, I'm excited to get in. And so, Abe, man, uh, take it away. The table is all yours. Hey, Ryan, thank you so much uh, for this opportunity. Um, and I guess I should thank Landon, right, for the hookup. Uh, thank God for good connections. But, um, 
but yeah, so I want to spend some time uh, today talking about uh, ministry on campus. And, uh, you know, I think as youth pastors, we've always, uh, we've all had the thought and we've all had this dream at one point or another creep up on us. Uh, and we say to ourselves, man, how cool would it be is if I could gain access uh, to students on campus in their public schools, you know? So in my experience, uh, being a youth pastor who has uh, served in all different kinds of environments, over the last few years, I've, uh, I've just been able to be exposed to some really neat things that God has done, uh, not just in uh, my ministry, but also being able to uh, build these partnerships with schools. And, and first off, I want to say this before I give you guys some really practical tips on how to build some solid relationships uh, with, with the schools that are in your area, in your community. First off, I want to say this, um, God wants you to be on campus. Uh, if you look at Christ's time on earth, there wasn't anywhere that Jesus wasn't willing to go in order to reach people. Uh, but it seems like every time I have a conversation with a fellow youth pastor about getting onto their local public school campus, uh, most of them seem to think that it's not even worth the try. It seems like such a long shot, right? But the truth is that no one wants to see you reach students on campus more than God does. And as long as we operate under the presumption that it's impossible to do this, uh, the more we deprive ourselves of witnessing the miracle of God blowing the front doors right off the schools that are in our community. So before you do this, you've you got to make a decision uh, before you ever even think about getting on campus. And you have to decide whether or not you believe that God is every bit of who he says he is, because if he's the same God that we teach our students about every week, then he's the same God that can make this happen. He's the same God that can give you favor in public schools. He can give you favor in the eyes of the administrators, the principals, and even the superintendents. I have a really cool story to share with you guys uh, towards the end of, of this. But uh, once you've decided that, once you've decided to commit to this thing, these are just a couple of things that I think can help you to gain access to public schools in your area. Uh, the first thing that I like to encourage other youth pastors to do, and of course all of this I've learned through experience, I've learned through you know amazing mentors like Landon who kind of coached me up before I ever stepped foot on a campus, but the first thing that I can encourage you to do is to be professional. Be professional. Now, your level of professionalism is defined by the amount of preparation that you put into this. And it's also combined with your presentation. So I'm going to get a little bit into that. But what I mean by preparation is this. Before you ever step foot on a campus, you have to be prepared. And you're not just prepared for that initial point of contact, but you have to be well prepared for about five moves after that initial point of contact. What do I mean by that? Let me give you an example. Let's say you want to gain access to this one middle school that you draw a lot of students from uh, to your youth group. Uh, this is what I would do if I was you. First off, I would take some time and I would spend that time preparing a strategy. And your strategy has to consist of the following questions. These are the questions that have driven the strategy that I've been able to implement in, in building these relationships and these partnerships with local public schools. The first question is this. What's my purpose on campus? What's my end goal, right? 
Now, at the WAVE here in uh, Coral Springs, Florida, that's the name of my student ministry, for the WAVE, our goal to be on campus is nothing more than to bring notoriety to the WAVE. Okay, my goal uh, in, in my city is for every kid to know what the WAVE was or what the WAVE is. So I, I like to say this. Every kid in South Florida may not show up to the WAVE, but every kid in South Florida will know what the WAVE is where the wave meets, and when the wave meets. So that was my end goal. That was my purpose. That was what was driving me to get on campus. My goal wasn't uh, to preach the gospel on campus. My goal wasn't to, uh, wasn't to evangelize to students or to teachers. My goal was none of that. I went in without a religious agenda, but knowing that what I did want to do is to have a presence on campus that could point to our program every Wednesday night. Now, the second question, besides what's my purpose, the second question you have to ask is, what do I have to offer? What makes me a valuable asset to this school? You know, the first thing you determine is what's your end goal, but then a close second to that and importance of the questions that you ask yourself, a close second is, what do I have to offer? Because, you know, you can't go in there just with the with your end in mind right you have to kind of think about what does the school get out of this you want to add value you want the school to benefit from it along with that you want to ask yourself what makes me different from every other vendor you know every other blood bank every other yearbook company every other t-shirt maker what makes me different from every other organization that has a vested interest in that school and For us, what we quickly determined was that the thing that distinguished us from every other organization that was trying to get on campus was this. We were free. Everything we have to offer on campus is 100% free, and that's it. You know, if you go with with, that is the added value that you have, whatever it is that you're going to do on campus, and we'll talk a little bit uh, later about what, what those specifics are, but what makes you different from anyone else is that you're free because if your program uh, costs something, you know, coupled with the fact that you're associated with the church, then that kind of throws everything off for you, you know. So you, whatever it is you do on campus, you have to offer it for free. And that's what made us different. That's what distinguished us from the rest. The third question is this when it comes to your preparation. you got to ask yourself, how am, I, how am I going to go about this? What's my first move, right? Who do I want to meet? When I go on campus, who is it that I want to rub shoulders with? How do I want to go about reaching out to them? So let me walk you through and kind of illustrate how we went about this here uh, at the Wave and at Church by the Glade. This is what we came up with. This is our strategy. What we do at the beginning of every school year, especially if you don't have any relationships on campus, it's this. Uh, what we would do is we would coordinate a front office cookie drop. Now, what I mean by that is our team would uh, look at a map, and we would look at every middle school and high school within a 10-mile radius of us. And what we did is we started to plot out this map, and we had a team of volunteers who created these really cool, ornate cookie baskets. Like, think over the top. And along with that cookie basket – we coupled it with a letter on a really professional-looking letterhead describing who we were as an organization. 
Okay, along with that, we also provided a colorful, well-designed, and illustrative pamphlet uh, that could show that school what we were all about. So what happens when we go on campus on a front office cookie drop is we start off by meeting the receptionist. And here's what you need to know about the receptionist. The receptionist can, be, can either become your best friend or they can become your worst enemy. Okay? So you've got to bring your A game the moment you step through those doors. That, that front desk receptionist, they are a gatekeeper. Their purpose is to be the guard dog. They're no different than the secretary or the receptionist at your church. So if the receptionist, based off that first impression, based off of your preparation and your presentation just up front, if they are willing, if they're willing to introduce you to someone, uh, you know, if, if they say, hey, if I can introduce you to someone, who would you like to meet? Who is it that you would like to get connected with? Then typically what we ask for is we ask for an administrator or a guidance counselor, which you know, essentially we ask the receptionist, here's kind of a blurb of what we have to offer. We would love to meet a guidance counselor or, or an administrator that you believe could benefit most from the things that we have to offer. Uh, a lot of guys, including myself, when I first started doing this, I wanted to speak to the top dog. I wanted to speak to the principal. But the truth is that's, that's not realistic. Getting in a room with a principal or a vice principal, that's more than likely not going to happen unless it's just something absolutely like God-ordained where the principal's hanging out by the front office uh, at the moment that you come in. Besides that, you're more than likely going to be able to land a quick meeting with a guidance counselor or an administrator if you're even able to meet one of those right off the bat, right? So if you can't meet them there, you want to you wanna have – you know, you want to have the presence of mind to think through any kind of contact information that you could benefit from in the follow-up process. So you want to ask for an email, you want to ask for a phone number, and you want to really, again, think through everything that you drop off at the school. You want to be thinking through um, making sure that your contact information is all over uh, your promotional materials. It's all over your letterhead. It's all over the pamphlet you drop off. Um, also, along with that, the moment you walk in there and you get to meet a guidance counselor, you get to meet an administrator, you get to meet that receptionist even, because that's the very first person that you're going to have to give your pitch to, you have to ask yourself before you walk into that school, what's my elevator pitch? Okay, if you had to describe what you had to offer in two minutes or less, what would you say? And if, if it's not just you, if, let's say you're the youth pastor and you have a staff and you guys are splitting up to do these cookie jobs, you want to assign one representative for each of these groups who you think can speak well and can get this elevator pitch down. For example, for us, you know, I'm blessed to have a, a, a team where we could split up or wasn't just me uh, visiting these schools. This is the elevator pitch that we came up with. And that elevator pitch was this, the Wave on Campus, which is the name of our on-campus organization, right? 
we, we would say this. The Wave on Campus is a motivational and leadership organization that partners with local schools to bring excitement, encouragement, and school spirit to every campus. We do this by hosting pep rallies, leadership workshops for students, anti-bullying education, social media etiquette, and drug and alcohol education. We provide all these amenities free to cost, free of cost to you and your school. So that's kind of what we went in with. Now, of course, that's kind of hard to get down verbatim, but you want to make sure that there's uniformity across what you're telling these schools. So what you tell one school, you want to make sure you're telling the school down the street too, especially, especially, again, if you have multiple hands in the cookie jar, if it's you and your middle school guy, or if it's you and your assistant, and you guys are both splitting up, you guys all want to be speaking the same language, and you want to have that elevator pitch down to a science because, again, these first impressions are so, so very important. So along with that, you're also going to get some follow-up questions right there on the spot. For us, uh, typically the next follow-up question that we would get from a guidance counselor or an administrator was, who are you with? You know, where do you receive your funding? How is it that you're able to do this for free? Etc. Etc. People are so weary about who they allow into the public school system, and rightfully so, that they're going to want to know that you're a safe person. Okay, and here's the thing: you have to be so careful with your verbiage and how you answer that question, because again, that could be a determining factor. So, what we would say when we're asked that question is, we say we receive funding from Church by the Glades, where the youth pastor is there but we have an on-campus initiative where we partner with schools without a religious agenda. And that's what you want to reinforce. You know, if, if that person that you're speaking with is a person that seems kind of friendly and, 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 and you're having some chemistry there in that conversation, you can just go ahead and be upfront and say, hey, we're not, we're not trying to put Jesus on the school system. Hey, we're not trying to cram the Bible down anyone's throat. We just want to help. We want you guys to benefit from what we have to offer, and we want to partner with you in any way we can. So if you can disarm that conversation a little bit, you know, uh, the words church, God, Jesus, all that is so divisive nowadays that it's your responsibility in that moment to, again, disarm that conversation and reassure them that you're there for the right reasons. So along with that, once you've done through all that, when you're preparing, this is another question that you want to ask yourself. You want to ask yourself, what do I have available to provide them with if they'd like more information? What do I, ha what do, I do to follow up with them afterwards, right? So let's say this person says, hey, I'd love to think about this. Is there anywhere I can get more information? Well, what you have to do in your mind is you have to have an email in your back pocket. You need to have this email drafted, ready to go out of, your, uh, out of your outbox that has a little more descriptive information. Okay. Now, let's say you have already benefited from having a partnership with another school. This is where it becomes very important for you uh, to have references readily available, okay? You want to include that in this email. Uh, we have those references because we've had the benefit of partnering now with over 10 schools. We have on our pamphlets all these different references where we're quoting vice principals, we're quoting administrators, we're quoting teachers, we're quoting guidance counselors, and that curries a lot of favor 
uh, with, a, with whoever it is you meet on a public school. But let's say this is the first school you're trying to get on in general. You want to provide them with a good idea of what you guys are all about. So when we initiated this, for us that meant uh, sending lots of pictures of our Wednesday night program. So in our outdoor environments where it's kind of nondescript and you can't tell that it's taking place at a church, we'd send pictures of any crowd games that we did outside. We'd send pictures of, you know, crowds of students or maybe posed pictures with three or four kids that are uh, posing for the camera. Anything that shows that you guys have extensive experience working alongside students. And along with that, you want to provide either that same a script that you provided in that letter on letterhead, you want to go ahead and copy and paste that. Or if you feel up to it, you know, add some more details to that. Add some more details. When you say that you're readily available to provide an anti-bullying assembly, you know, talk about what that looks like. Include a uh, an itinerary. Include a schedule. Um, if if you are up to do Gatorade drops and you want to provide free Gatorade to the football team or the basketball team, talk about that in there and go into detail. Make yourself seem as awesome as possible to make it very hard for these administrators, these guidance counselors, whoever, to turn you away. Okay, so finally, the last question that you want to ask yourself in the preparation process is, am I ready, willing, and able to pull off something on any moment's notice? Okay, we've had experiences where we walk in and uh, we talk to a administrator and you know we're, we're throwing out everything we have to offer. Here's another thing. You want to provide a lot of different options and you want to know the buzzwords. So that's why we talk about anti-bullying. We talk about social media etiquette. We talk about leadership, motivation, anything that, uh, that administrators are drawn to that they know are known issues within their uh, within their school system, you know. But let's say I don't know. Let's say uh, you offer something like a teacher breakfast, and you say, "Hey, we just want to come in and we want to feed your teachers breakfast one more, and want to serve them coffee." Whatever it is that you throw out there, you have to ask yourself if you're ready, willing, and able to be able to pull something like that off within a couple of days of meeting that administrator or that guidance counselor. Here's why that's important is you've got to strike while the iron's hot. So if that person is willing to give you a shot right then and there and they want to put something on the books, on the back end of it, you have to know that you have your team is ready. You have to know or, or, or if you have volunteers who are ready, you have to think through, okay, if I get an opportunity on campus, do I have signage ready? Do I have – uh, shirts that are uniform that we can all wear while we're on campus? Do we have our name badges? These are all things that contribute to your professionalism presentation on these campuses. But here's the thing, you got to have all that stuff ready before you ever step foot on it. You know, I've had experiences where uh, we got an opportunity on short notice and we weren't necessarily ready. We took the opportunity anyways. And what ended up happening is we made a really bad first impression. And along with that, you lose that opportunity, not just at that school, but the educational system is really a small community. You might have just blown an opportunity elsewhere as well. So you got to be ready, like I said, not just for that initial point of contact, but you have to have your next five moves 
ready as well. So are you able to pull off something with excellence? Are you able to do it well and make the most of that opportunity? Uh, along with uh, your preparation when it comes to your professionalism, the other part of it is your presentation. And I've kind of alluded to this uh, up until this point, but presentation is key. You know, what you're wearing when you go on these cookie drops to the front offices, that's so important. You know, um, fashion is not the priority when you step foot on one of these campuses. Professionalism is. So don't wear torn clothes, you know. That might be cool to students. That might be cool for you to wear anywhere else in any other environment, but it's not when you're on campus because you're trying to land an opportunity with, you know, someone who has a master's degree in education, and they're particular about who they put in front of their students. So make sure that you're dressed well. Make sure that whatever materials you take are well-designed. You know, don't go in there uh, with something that doesn't look good. You have to make sure that you have all your ducks in a row because what's working against you is the fact that you're a part of a church, and the church is highly stigmatized, in the educational system. So you have to work against that stigma and you have to over-prepare and you have to over-present to prove that you're a worthy candidate to be on school. So that's number one, it's be professional, be professional, be professional. The second thing is be persistent, okay? Um, for example, let's say you're in an area that's saturated with schools. Of course, we all have a few schools that are at the very top of our wish list. Um, but when it comes to getting on campus, especially initially, you can't really afford to be picky. So what I mean by be persistent is this. Let's say you set off a five-mile radius of your church's location, and you say, hey, my priority is to get into these five schools. What you do is you get that list of schools that fit your criteria, and you go to all these front offices, right? And let's say you don't get anything back from any of them, and you're being persistent and you're following up with emails and no one's replying back, well, maybe you should widen your search a little bit. You know, widen it out to 10 miles. Now, is it very likely that a student from 10 miles out is going to show up to your program on a Wednesday? Maybe not. But here's the thing. If you're not in any other campus at that particular time, that school that may open its doors for you that's 10 miles out, that's an opportunity that can open up other opportunities in the future. So you've got to be persistent with this. You can't allow yourself to be discouraged just because the schools at the top of your wish list aren't responding or they're not interested because that other school that's 10 miles out, they might be very interested. They might open their doors for you, and next thing you know, because of that opportunity, because of a good reference, because of a connection, I'm telling you, these administrators, these guidance counselors, they all know one another, they might be able to even put in a call. We've had situations where we have met a vice principal that says, man, what you guys are doing is awesome. You guys should be doing this all over Broward County. I'm going to call so-and-so at Stranahan High School. I'm going to call so-and-so at Bayer Middle School, and I'm going to let them know what you guys got going on. And it's opened up huge, huge doors for us that we never would have dreamed of getting. But it's because we were persistent and we didn't allow for uh, the schools that turned us away to discourage us from continuing to advance further and further in order to make an impact uh, in our community. And here's the other thing. 
is there are kids that are crazy enough to show up from 10 miles out to your program if you make enough of a good first impression. And nothing makes me happier than to see a kid that I thought I would never see because this school is so far make the trek to 10 miles out to come visit our program and then have their lives radically changed by Christ. So you never want to count out the impact that you can have regardless of how far these schools are or these students are. So you've got to be persistent. The other thing is you want to have a system where you can keep track of all your schools and you can keep track of what relationships you have where. So let's say at one middle school, you know, the doors closed with the guidance counselor, but let's say that that door is open with the basketball coach. And the basketball coach loves for you to drop off free Gatorade every once in a while. He loves for you to pray before games. He loves for you to come in at the halftime of the middle school game and host a halftime show. So that relationship there is built. It's maybe not the relationship that you envisioned or the relationship that you prioritize, but it's a relationship nonetheless. So what you want to do, the reason you want to chart all this out is you want to set goals for yourself, and you want to say, hey, right now i got this basketball coach. I want to parlay this into an administrator. But that's where the persistence comes in. you got to have it down on paper because you're going to be able to visualize how much further you have to go. And if you do this at all of the schools in your community, man, I promise you that every year you're going to be able to see these relationships that you want to build grow and grow and grow and grow, and you're going to be able to literally track and remember all of the networking that you've done. Because the other thing on top of it is that sometimes you forget of who you know, and you forget, uh, you forget some of the key contacts that you have. So it's important to track all of this. That goes into persistence nonetheless. And finally, besides being professional, besides being persistent, most importantly in my experience is being prayerful. Um, when I first got experience on campus, uh, it was in a suburb of Houston, uh, called Richmond and Sugarland. It's a Richmond and Sugarland area. And, you know, the Houston area has this, uh, the Houston area is popular for having some of the largest churches in America, right? So Houston, uh, even though it's, I believe it to be one of the cities that's, that has so many lost people and needs Jesus sorely and badly, it has a popularity nationwide as being kind of part of the Bible Belt. So when I initially got an opportunity to come down here to South Florida, uh, to Coral Springs, it's about 30 minutes north of Miami, uh, one of the things that, uh, that I wanted to bring was that passion to get on campus. And what I was met with was a ton of negativity saying, oh, man, that'll never happen in South Florida. You know, South Florida is this place that's 94% unchurched. So I was told that I would be met with a ton of hostility whenever I try to get on campus. So, of course, when I heard that, immediately my first response was, dang, I got to pray about this because I believe deep in my heart, uh, just like I was encouraging you guys earlier, that God wanted me to get on campus. So I told my mom about this, and my mom is a huge prayer warrior. And what my mom encouraged me to do one day is she said, hey, let's get in our car, and let's just drive to all of these schools that are on your wish list. And we're going to drive, and we're going to get there, and after hours, we're just going to walk around the perimeter on the sidewalk so we don't look like creepers, and we're just going to pray that God would open these doors. 
And that did so many things for me. Number one, it created, uh, it created this vision in my mind of what it would be like to be able to walk through those doors having relationships and partnerships with you know, key people in that school. It helped me visualize just how many students you know, attended that school on a daily basis and what could happen if God was able to open a door for me, if he was able to open an opportunity that would allow me to get in front of these students, obviously not to preach the gospel, but to create an awareness of who we are, where we meet, and when we meet. And when that happened, little by little, God started opening these crazy doors in South Florida, which I never would have dreamed of. Eventually, we hit uh, this point where we got called into the superintendent's office of uh, Broward County Public Schools. Uh, the assistant superintendent sat us down, and she said, hey, we've heard about what you're doing on campus. Uh, we don't know who you are. Our, the district office does not know who you are. I've heard great things from teachers, administrators, and principals, but we're going to have to ask you to stop what you're doing, and we're going to need to get you guys screened and gone through the proper channels. So at that moment, we were told to cease and desist any operations uh, for the wave on campus on public school grounds, and we were highly discouraged, but little did we know that the end product, the end result of that was going to be that we would receive a letter of, a, of uh, getting us officially approved to be on any campus in Broward schools, and that we would be able to have pretty much any opportunity that we wanted to do, including the official approval to be public speakers on any school in the county. Uh, so that right there shows not just uh, the power of persistence, not just the power of preparation, but more importantly, the power of prayer. So I can't encourage you guys enough to pray, pray, pray. There's nothing that can keep you guys from getting on these campuses uh, because it's God's will for you to be there. Now, of course, there's certain things that you got to do on your end. Like I said, you got to prepare. You have to present well. You've got to be professional. You have to be persistent. You have to color within the lines. You know, don't you dare step foot on a school campus and say anything about God or Jesus when you've not been afforded the opportunity to do so. If you've been told to not talk about your program, don't talk about it. And all you have to do is you have to pray that eventually one of these opportunities is going to lead the way to another greater opportunity that will provide a chance for you to invite a student to what you have going on or whatever it is your goal is. So um, that's really my biggest three things is be professional, be persistent, and be prayerful. And if you allow for those three things to come together, then I believe that you guys can build some amazing relationships. So you can get some effective networking done that will get you onto whatever campus it is you're prioritizing. You know, it may not happen overnight. For us, it didn't happen overnight, but it may happen over the course of just a couple of years if you stick it out and if you stick it through and if you do all those three things and you rinse, wash, and repeat, there's no telling what God can do through you and how many opportunities he can get you on a public school. So uh, those are my three tips. Man, that, that's fantastic. Uh, <clears throat> very helpful, very practical, very inspirational. I know for me that – Really, really inspirational. Now, you're you're a very driven guy. Uh, I can, I, you know, you're just a very driven guy. Very, uh, you know, here's my goal, here's my aim, here's my target. I'm going to hit that. Um, so, what do you do when you walk in and you just totally get shut down? 
I mean, just totally denied, get out of here, you know, just totally shut down. What, what are some steps to kind of rebound from that and kind of recover from that? Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. Uh, we experienced that specifically with one middle school uh, that we really wanted to get into. And uh, me and uh, this younger guy, he was an intern, we experienced getting shut down like that, and he was super discouraged, you know. I like to do something with my team to where I go on campus with them the first two or three times, and then the fourth or fifth time I'll go with them, but I have them do the talking. That's kind of how I bring along uh, some other younger leaders and give them that experience. And uh, it was his turn, and he got shut down hard. And what I taught him was, you know, right after you get shut down, I think one of the most important things that you can do is go to another school. You know, mm-hmm. that's where the persistence comes in. Just get in your car. This is why you've got to have six or seven of these cookie baskets ready. And this is why I think that youth pastors should widen uh, their radius a little bit larger than maybe what they think it should be because you're going to need those reps. And here's the thing about persistence is the truth of the matter is if you visit 10 schools, man, you're going to be really blessed and fortunate if you can land a conversation with even just two of those schools. That's the truth, you know? But that's why it's important to be able to get a ton of reps in because you can't let that discouragement sink in. You can't let these lies sink in that you'll never be able to accomplish this because you never know who uh, you're going to encounter on your next trip. You never know. So I remember leaving New River Middle School with him and we had three more middle schools to go to, and he was obviously, like I said, really discouraged. So I said, man, we're going to get in this car. We're going to go to these next schools, and we're just going to pray that God would open up an opportunity. And even if he doesn't, we know that we're being faithful. Uh, it, another thing that I like to teach my guys is this, is you never want to measure, when you're setting a goal, never set your goal based on an output. For example, let's say, your goal is, I want to get into schools. Okay, set a numerical goal. I want to get into five schools. Man, to me, that's just the wrong way to set a goal. When you set a goal, what I like to do is, instead of measuring the output, I like to measure the input. So instead of saying, I want to get into five schools, the goal that I set is, I want to go drop off cook baskets to 15 schools. Because, you see, I can't measure the output. Only God can control the output but I can measure the input. And if I measure the input and I'm faithful with the input and I'm faithful with my effort and where I invest my time and my energy, then I'm just going to trust that God is going to parlay that into something bigger than I could ever possibly dream or imagine. So that's what I just remember telling him is, man, one school shut us down, sure. But look, that's even more reason for us to get in the car and visit more than these three schools that we have planned, you know? If this one door closes, hey, we're going to go out and we're going to search for – we're going to just go knock on 10 more doors. So mm-hmm. if, if you're a youth pastor out there and that's what you're experiencing, that's what I suggest. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Now, do you guys, do you guys partner with uh, other organizations? I know you talked about you know, doing school assemblies and, and uh, food and drop-offs and leadership programs and do you guys ever partner with like restaurants or like a school assembly program or maybe like a leadership program or some of the interdenominational uh, ministries that are on campuses do you guys partner with them or you guys kind of take care of that all yourselves 
Um, so, okay, so let me be honest. I, I shy away from partnering with other organizations just because, you know, that to me tends to be a uh, – when you bring in another party, you can't really control what that other – what that third party does, right? And, mm-hmm. for example, if you partner with an interdenominational organization, as well-intentioned as they might be, you know, you guys might have the same goal in mind, which is to reach students, but they might go about it a different way. And the way they go about it might leave a bitter taste in the school's mouth, right? So yeah. I like to really uh, just carve out a space of our own where we know that the people that we bring in, we're all on the same page. You know, we've all, uh, we've all kind of memorized the elevator pitch. We know the left and the right, and we're willing to go there, uh, you know, with uniformity. And that's how we kind of control the variables that are a part of getting us on campus. Um, yeah, but, you know, yeah. I, I don't know what other youth pastors, I don't know the context with which they're dealing in. If you have another organization that has a ton of relationships and maybe they can just get you started off by introducing you to someone, man, you've got to get it how you live. So if, that, if that's what works, that, that's what works. Yeah, that's good. Now, now I know you you work at uh, you worked at a few churches with like multi sites and uh, multi layers of staffing and support systems and things like that. And so, you have any advice for maybe that 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 guy that's uh, lady that's uh, at a church and she's the only or he's the only youth pastor there, and they don't have you know an internship structure or um, you know other high school, junior high pastors on staff, things like that. There's, they are the, the youth pastors. So any advice for, for that, that person? Yeah, you know, um, I, I've, I've been there. Uh, first of all, I want to start off, but, I, but I've been there, um, and it's tough. I would say to that youth pastor, I would encourage them that if they're able to find a female counterpart that – that's got to be at the top of their priority list when it comes to getting on campus. If they have a female volunteer or if they have another female staff member that may not even be with the youth ministry, but let's say you have a receptionist that's really sharp or your children's ministry director and she's sharp and she can go out there with you, you know, buy them coffee, buy them lunch and say, hey, you know, this is my end goal. This is what I want to do. And it would really help if you came along with me because here's the truth. If you're a male youth pastor, it can kind of it, – it just sends – you know, there's, there's some stigma that comes with that, with anyone that's affiliated religiously, that's a guy. So going on campus with a female, it offsets that, and it softens mm. what you're trying to do. Um, yeah. Like I said, there's so much stigma that comes with, that, with being a church, and so many churches have been militant in their approach that if you can take someone that is conversational, that is friendly, that smiles well, and you can take them with you on campus, all of a sudden it changes their perception of what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, that's really good. Now, I know, I know uh, quite a few uh, of the guys that are listening on, on the podcast, are, you know, they're coming from you know, a little bit of a smaller context, a little smaller uh, city, uh, and, and maybe there's only one or two schools. And so 
but there's multiple youth pastors. And so maybe even that, that person that you're partnering with, like you said, is maybe they're another youth pastor in the, in the, in the area and you guys come together and work together and, and to kind of uh, take, take care of these, the school together. And so now, now talk to me about, about uh, the next step. Okay, so you get in. You're, you're doing this stuff, you know, you're, you're doing assemblies, you're doing some stuff. Now, now walk me through this moment when a student actually shows up to your student ministries on a Wednesday night or whatever night. Mm. Now, what, <laughs> that, that moment, it's like, okay, what do I do with them? So what, what on the, now take us to the student as a youth pastor now at your youth ministry, what's that follow-up looks like, that connecting, so that you didn't do all this work on the school and then they show up, and you're like, oh, man, you actually showed up. What do I do? So what's the preparation on that side to make sure that, that you, you cross that bridge and connect those dots? Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, man, first off, when that kid shows up, you are going to feel like a million bucks. You know, that's, that's the dream is when that one kid from the school you saw earlier that day showed up. So the first thing that you have to do on your end is you got to make sure that your first-time guest process is dialed in. Now, there's a million and one different ways uh, to set up, you know, the, your first-time guest table or your first-time guest tent, but just make sure you have a process, uh, starting off with your first-time guest connection card. So on that connection card, you want to have some key questions that you ask whoever it is that's filling it out. You want to ask them you know, what school they go to, what grade they're in. And you want to have something in there that allows for you to ask, did you find out about us through the wave on campus? You know, and that right there, what it can help you do is it can help you visualize and it can help you measure, uh, you know, the output of what your input has been. You know, so those kind of things are, are important. For example, you know, we like to have what school do you go to and did you find out about us through an on-campus event because sometimes you'll realize we have this school that's maybe 20 minutes away, um, Piper High School, and this is not a school that we would have ever thought that we would yield a lot of results from, but it turns out from all of our events on the Wave on Campus, that's the school that we've ever gotten the most students from. So what that does with our team is it builds awareness that now we have this community that we didn't foresee being able to impact, and it helps us tailor our approach and how to cater to them, you know? Because if you have a lot of students coming from a school, what you got to know is that you have an influence in that school, whether you realize it or not. Um, so that's what I would say is having a first-time guest process, whatever that is, if you text the kid right after, if you send something home, if you give them a first-time guest bag at the end of the night, have something there and know the right questions to ask. Yeah, I think that's really key. And also, uh, you know, that for those that are churches with boards and things like that, I mean, that just helps with the accountability too of saying, hey, look, we're in these schools and we've seen, yes. you know, 10 students, 100 students, whatever it is, come directly because of our efforts. All of a sudden, you know, especially you're dealing with, you know, churches that uh, have a strong board and things like that, all of a sudden yep. they're like, okay, well, okay, we'll, we'll continue to fund that. We'll continue to, to allow you, uh, you know, to spend five hours a week, ten hours a week on campuses opposed to in the office. And so, yeah, I think that, that having those measurables are really, really good for us. So uh, that, that's just great advice. Now, 
you spent years in the, in the military, and uh, first I just want to say thank you for your service and, and, and keeping us safe over uh, here. Thank you, Ryan. And, yeah, man. And, but I want to talk to you about or ask you this question. How, how has the military shaped you, formed you, maybe you know, even helped you in ministry? What, what, what kind of shaping process does that look like, and how that translate into your ministry, even personally? Yeah, you know, um, just a couple things right off the top of my head. I Number one, the military gave me an idea of what it looks like to have structure, you know. Um, now, I'm not a very organized person. I, I tend to be more on the creative side. I'm kind of helter-skelter. But even just being in that environment, it, it really helps me understand the importance of structure and of organization. And, uh, you know, the Army, the Marine Corps, the Navy, they wouldn't be as effective if they didn't have all those systems in place. So what it brings to me is, hey, systems are important. And I may not be the one to put the systems together, but I have to surround myself with volunteers and staff members who think that way. Uh, the second thing is the military taught me a heck of a lot of resiliency. Um, you know, there's this book called Grit, I think, it's by Angela Duckworth, but it's this brilliant book on the importance of grit and uh, how it plays a part in the success of, of so many people. So I think in large part, I may not be the most talented. I'm not the most gifted speaker. I'm not uh, the best looking. I'm not the smartest. But, you know, in a lot of the environments that I've been in, I've been the toughest, and I've been able to endure environments that other people haven't been able to so and you ryan you, you know the importance of grit and ministry and you got to be resilient man it can be a really lonely place not just doing ministry but doing youth ministry um so the military taught me a, a heck of a lot of that and uh the military also taught me to be very flexible you know uh, there's so many variables that you can't measure that you can't predict in a combat environment so you have to be ready to uh, as, in they, as they say in the military, to adapt and overcome. Um, so I think that's something that I've learned well is, hey, you know, you plan this event and let's say it rains and you got to adapt and overcome. Uh, you know, let's say you're, you're out there and you have this whole thing planned for camp and, I don't know, something crazy happens, whatever it is, something that you didn't expect, you have to be able to adapt and overcome. And the best way for you to do that is, you know, game plan and uh, poke holes in everything and think through what some other solutions are because in that moment, you'll only be as good as the preparation that you put into whatever it is you're trying to execute. So I'd say those three things really shaped me. Yeah, that's great. The, the adapt and overcome is, is huge. We, we, we had a, one of our alumni on his very first winter camp that he was leading on his own. He, he, there was a two-day two winter camp, and they go, and they end up getting snowed in, uh, and that oh. two-day winter camp turns into a five-day winter camp, and they have to trek <laughs> out into emergency vehicles, right? Adapt and overcome, right? You know, you, you got to just make it happen. So uh, That's insane. Man, great, yeah, yeah. Uh, man, just, just great, great information, so helpful, so practical. And uh, I know you uh, have tons of information that we're going to be putting up on our website, which is YPRoundtable.com. Uh, we will have a, a link there for you for all kinds of stuff. Why don't you just talk a little bit about what's in there uh, before we wrap up? Yeah, so I wanted to hook you guys up with something that could, you know, just help you uh, – 
you know, create your own materials. They're kind of like templates. So what I've included in there is a, uh, a template to a letter that we drop off with those cookies uh, when we start that off at the beginning of the school year or whenever we're trying to get on campuses. So it's a letter that kind of describes the wave on campus, who we are, what we do, um, and it's pretty detailed. So you can rip that off of us and just put your name in wherever you see ours. Another thing is that pamphlet. I've kind of shown you uh, the layout of that pamphlet. The, the idea for that pamphlet is for you to illustrate who it is you are, uh, what it is you're capable of pulling off. Um, so it has pictures of our students. It has pictures of events that we've done on campus before. And like I said, at this point, now that we, we have good relationships with a lot of schools, we have all of our references where we're quoting uh, you know, all kinds of people in the educational system. Uh, another thing that's in there are three examples for leadership lessons that we teach on campus. Um, so these are five to ten minute leadership and motivational uh, lessons that we teach at academic success assemblies. We teach them at, you know, freshman orientations, just whatever it is the school throws at you. You have three uh, talks in your back pocket. The reason why it's important to have those scripted and have those just readily available is you would be shocked at how many, you know, APs or, or you know, principals or teachers ask you, hey, what are you going to talk about? Or they'll say, hey, what are you going to say? Can I, can I know what you're going to say before you say it? Because, you know, they're hesitant. So if you have these three leadership lessons, you say, hey, here are three examples of what we'll do. Pick which one you love most. Or if you like all three, we promise that we will limit it to these three. We'll, we'll, we'll never get up there and just wing it. Um, besides that, um, I can't think of anything else that might be in there. Um, oh, yes, the other thing that's really cool that we put in there that might be really use, useful to you is depending on what uh, public school system you're dealing with, uh, there's a screening process, and during that screening process, they ask you very specific questions. So we included our application to be screened and approved on campuses uh, in our county. So it's super detailed. It goes into uh, a lot of the information and the heart of what we're all about. So you might find that really helpful uh, if you ever have to go through a screening process like we did. And uh, that's, yeah, that's about it, Ryan. That's awesome. That's super, super helpful. So at the time of this recording, uh, you know, we know that there's a lot going down in, in Houston with flooding and all of that. And so and you, you're from the Houston area. You, you spent some time there before moving to Florida. And so um, I, I just appreciate it. I think if we'd all appreciate it. If you just pray for Houston and all the churches down there and the efforts that are going on down there, uh, if you just pray for that, that'd be great. Absolutely, Ryan. I'd love to do that. Um, God, we come before your presence right now, and uh, we just pray for the city of Houston and every other area of Texas and Louisiana that's been affected adversely by the storm. God, our heart breaks uh, to see people and our uh, church family struggle with this storm, God. So I pray, Lord, that you would, uh, in these moments as we're getting ready to plan all these uh, relief strategies, God, as we're getting uh, ready uh, to to recuperate and recover from what's just happened. God, I pray that you would give wisdom uh, to the city officials, that you would give wisdom to FEMA, 
uh, that, Lord, that all these organizations that have their hand in this, God, that they would respond quickly, uh, Lord, that you would uh, give us the opportunity, that you would place it on our hearts, God, as uh, the church, the capital C church, to spring into action, God, and to make a difference in, uh, in all these areas that have been just ravaged by the storm. God, we pray for everyone who is struggling. We pray for everyone who's been displaced. We pray for everyone who's lost their home. We pray for everyone who's lost a loved one, that you would comfort them, Lord, that this would be uh, an opportunity, God, for us to get up and to share the, the hope and the love and the grace that can be found in you. And that at the end of the day, Lord, uh, no matter how much devastation uh, Harvey left in its wake, that we would be able to look back and say that you held true to your promises, that you work all things together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. So, God, we thank you so much because we know that you're going to be faithful uh, no matter how bad, no matter how gloomy the situation seems to be right now. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. That's uh, we're just praying for all you that are out in Houston area and and parts of Texas. I'm just praying for you guys, safety and uh, wisdom and favor with insurance companies and and all of that. So uh, yep. thanks guys for listening, and uh, we're just so thankful uh, for your time. I know you uh, got a lot going on, and so thank you so much for joining us. And look forward to uh, you guys being a part of the podcast next month. And so. Keep keep close ear. We'll uh, keep bringing you content you guys want to want to hear. And man, please take a moment and share this with a friend. Share this uh, on your social media so we can get this out there for, to some more people. And we're just really thankful for everyone that uh, has been listening and encouraging uh, about the podcast. And so thank you guys so much for all that you do. And uh, thank you for for loving these students and getting on these campuses. So uh, look forward to seeing you guys soon. And uh, next month we'll be together again.